Recovery on the Road is a podcast about people sharing their recovery experiences from drugs and alcohol, trauma, and grief. My name is Heidi. I'm an alcoholic. As a backdrop, this podcast is based on interviews while I'm on the road across America's national parks, from Acadia in Maine to Glacier in Montana, all the way over to the Everglades in Florida. My hope is that what is shared will benefit you in your recovery. Hello, this is Heidi. Thank you for listening to Recovery on the Road. I am in Walnut Creek, California, and I met Diana last night at a uh, 12-step program meeting. And Diana, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Diana, and I've been in this area for about almost 30 years now. I originally, um, my dad was in the Air Force, so we started in Indiana, moved to England for a while, and ended up here in California. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's what happens with military families, yeah. right? Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So can we begin with you talking a little bit about, for you, what alcoholism meant for you? Well, I was a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, I knew my father was an alcoholic um, when I was a senior in high school. The health nurse where he worked tried to get me to talk to him about his alcoholism, which I was 17 at the time, didn't feel really good. Yeah. I thought that was a little bit much. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's a lot to ask of a a technically a child. Yeah, exactly. So, um, So I had learned a lot about it, and my ex-husband is an alcoholic who um, ended up finally in recovery. Um, And I really was more of a social drinker for a long time um, because I was the responsible one. You know, even in my family growing up, I was the middle child, but I was the one that was responsible for everything when my parents got divorced. Um, And so I think when I, I mean, so I drank, but I didn't really start drinking until after both of my younger kids went off to college. Um, and I didn't have the same level of responsibilities. Um, so it, I didn't really, probably in the last six to eight years is when it really started progressing pretty rapidly. And I had an extremely, extremely stressful job. Um, and because I was competent and always successful in what I did at work, they kept piling more and more on. Wow. And I started drinking to escape. Okay. And to, and so, you know, it'd start with a glass of wine, sometimes two at night, and then it progressed and progressed until it was really interfering with my life. I suffer from depression too, even before the drinking became excess. And of course, that didn't help anything at all. And, and at the end, it really interfered with my work as well. And um, I think that I was unconsciously really just trying to kill myself because I had nothing to look forward to. I just felt so alone. Um, and it got to the point where um, I was really asked to leave or to resign because they were recognizing the toll it was taking on can, me. Can you share with us your profession? I'm an RN. An RN. Yeah. I was in an administrative role. I wasn't doing patient care. 
um, at the time. And uh, so my, my worst nightmare came true. It really took me down an ugly path and I had to decide, you know, um, am I just gonna continue down this path and maybe lose my license? Or am I gonna really accept that I am an alcoholic? I, I kinda knew I was, I was in denial. You know, when you're smart and you think you know all about it, you've had experience with others uh, that are alcoholic. Right, right. There's a couple other of my family members that um, have drug and alcohol problems. So, you know, sometimes you think you're too smart to let it happen to you. And yeah, oh, I'm not that bad. I knew I was. I knew when yeah. I couldn't, like, not drink that it had gotten bad. Um, so I decided to take this as an opportunity to really confront everything. I, um, I didn't want to go to AA or to a 12-step program while I was still drinking. Um, so I thought I had to be sober for 24 hours before I, um, I went to an AA meeting and I didn't want to go into detox because I knew too many people where detox would be. So I, so I decided to wean myself over the course of a week and just taper down my intake, which thank God I was able to do. And so I was, I was actually a little afraid Mm -hmm. to go to my first meeting because I'd tried AA before. And I don't think my heart was in it. And I didn't have a great connection with my sponsor. And I never really went through the steps. Um, and this time, the first 12-step meeting I went to, I actually saw a couple people I knew from the last time I was in recovery. And it was embarrassing. But they were so welcoming. And they were so glad to see me back. And it made me feel much more welcome. And I met my sponsor at that meeting. Wonderful. Which, um, she didn't become my sponsor that night, but um, we've we've gotten a good relationship going, and I've been in recovery now almost seven months. It'll... So that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Now for, um, so I know what I found in speaking with people, and I and I know I do reiterate this in, in almost every podcast, is the importance of unity, the importance of support, the, the like-mindedness, mm-hmm. and I think that's the most important thing for us, because it's difficult to get ourselves mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. in the first place, to admit defeat, mm-hmm. uh, to except first of all that we are an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and and now what do i do about it right and you know you can do detox you can do a recovery program but what i found the most important thing is for people to be around that support group right and you know i i know because because the more you go to a meeting you look around. I mean, we're we're super um, uh, feeling people. Even empaths, I've seen that. That mm-hmm. we we take other people's pains in. Mm-hmm. So I think we have a lot of empathy for one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I've seen it like they have. There are support groups for diabetics, mm-hmm. overeaters. Mm-hmm. They're all suffering through the same pains. Mm-hmm. You know, we read in our literature that that hole in our in our soul Mm -hmm. 
And so today, with um, the sobriety that you have, mm -hmm. which is awesome, you know, that you give yourself credit for that. You know, you, you be gentle with yourself, mm -hmm. which is, I'll give a call out to Mike O of Falmouth, Massachusetts. He was uh, one of our old timers, the most loving, caring man, um, you know, over 40 years of um, recovery. And he always told us that we only knew what we knew back then. Mm -hmm. You know, we have today and be gentle with ourselves, learn to forgive mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. And and I thank him for that all the time. And, and that inspired me a little bit to really uh, come up with my slogan, I guess, if you will, or my mantra, and that's walk with gentle purpose. And because I was always go, 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 and do, 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 and now I have a purpose, but be mindful of my day-to-day -day activities and my surroundings and my people and my recovery. Mm -hmm. So with your recovery, what have you found most important for you? Well, I have, what I do is I figured I had started drinking every day. I should go to a meeting every day. Okay. Um, so I actually go to a meeting every day and I have several meetings that are ones that I typically go to. Um, and I think that's helped me because I, people wouldn't at where I worked wouldn't think this about me because I couldn't be shy, but I really have a hard time meeting people and being around people and that's one of the things my sponsor and I have kind of worked on and so by going to meetings where I see some of the same people it's helped me connect in a different way um, and to feel not so alone and not so isolated there's one gentleman who like yesterday I saw him at the meeting and he greet he was one of the greeters and he said oh how much time do you have now he I mean he knew me by name and and he's got a lot of lot of years of sobriety and um he says you got six months i said yeah i've almost got seven so it was really nice that people actually know me by name oh right, right and they right. know of me and i know them by name now so that's helped me a lot is to go to meetings i think that's going to be key right now i'm blessed that i don't have to work um right now i had enough savings and my my psychiatrist actually did give me um, disability for a while um, just because he knew I was struggling mm -hmm. which has helped a lot not be afraid financially so much um, but for me it's just staying connected to the program and being of service so I have a coffee commitment I'm the literature rep I mm -hmm. you know I do a couple of different commitments and it's beautiful. even I'm in an aftercare support group and I'm I, I'm the one that maintains the phone list yeah, there so I try good. to keep myself busy okay and in a productive way in a productive way now, and don't helps. you think that all of this is practice yeah it's practice and then you'll start feeling a little more confident yeah and yeah you, you just practice your beliefs you mm -hmm. know your your mm -hmm. your day-to-day -day activities mm -hmm. and yeah yeah one you. of the biggest struggles was I, I really had to admit I'm an alcoholic I can't have that one drink and that was hard for me and what what are some of the little um, slogans that we hear about um, I can't have one is not enough and a hundred no, no one is 
too many and a hundred's not enough, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you know it's the same way for me with ice cream? I have such a ad- food addiction as well. <laughs> so once I put that first, you know, cup or spoonful of ice cream, it's like, nope, I can't have it in my house. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We need need to stay on top of those things. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, in closing, um, you know, if you have any... Um, words of wisdom for anybody really newcomer somebody that's been around for a long time um, um, I think if you're shy or you're a type of person that kind of isolates and you think you've got a problem you probably do and don't wait you don't have to wait until you hit your absolute bottom true, true. Um, and and I was afraid actually but don't be afraid because people are there to support you and love don't you don't be and afraid to go to a meeting yeah, yeah. just don't yeah. be afraid you can start anytime right it, right and it, and again it's it'll get a little easier yeah. each yeah. time you know you sit in the back and then you move yourself <laughs> to the edge and then maybe a little closer and right. then maybe say hi and yeah right, right. yeah you'll get it right you'll get it yeah so just don't be afraid yeah it is easier said than done. It is. Well, speaking from experience. Yeah, but, but we are all in it together. Right, right. And taking that first step. Don't be afraid. You know, initially I couldn't listen for the commonalities. I could only hear the differences. No, I'd never gotten a DUI. I'd never been in jail. You know, I really... Good point. I didn't have those experiences. So I didn't really listen to the underlying message. And try to listen to the underlying message and not what the differences are because we all have a similar problem of addiction correct yeah yeah. well thank you so much thank you i'm so proud of you thanks (laughs) (laughs) it's been wonderful thank you and thank you for listening to recovery on the road and my website is on the right org. and and if you could um please go to either Spotify or Apple Podcast or Stitcher to review my podcast. I greatly appreciate it. And again, thank you and have a great day and peace, my friends.